everyone. Welcome to Rock Bottom Syndicate. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. Rock Bottom is about people who have a story to tell to inspire others to keep working toward their potential, no matter what happens. Rock Bottom is an opportunity to learn, pivot, and adapt to whatever life throws your way. Rock Bottom is a time where you can choose to take responsibility for everything in your life because when you take responsibility, you gain control to change things for yourself. Your secrets are the prison of your emotions. Telling your story will set you free to be yourself, to heal and grow as a person, and move on to enjoy the journey of a strong, joyous life. Ask for help. Tell your story. just wanted to tell you, Syndicate is a group of individuals or organizations combined to promote some common interest. Our common interest at Rock Bottom Syndicate is to be of service. Rock Bottom Syndicate is my community of friends who, after having hit rock bottom, discovered that being of service to help others has a surprising side effect. We get better. We make better decisions. We learn to live strong, joyous lives. My guest in this episode, 17 of Rock Bottom Syndicate, is Murphy Jensen. Um, reach out to Murphy at WeConnectRecovery.com and on social media platforms at Murphy Jensen. When Murphy hit rock bottom, he found what he needed, which was to love himself and accept himself as just Murphy the person. Murphy shares his story of how childhood memories of growing up in an alcoholic home left him with feelings of fear and unworthiness that led to destructive decision-making and a downward spiral into drug addiction. Murphy demonstrated courage and vulnerability as he talked with me today on Rock Bottom Syndicate and details how winning the 1993 French Open doubles thrust him into the spotlight where he struggled to feel comfortable in his own skin. It was a rock bottom moment in his hotel room in Los Angeles that Murphy accepted health, help and adopted the mantra, I am responsible, which has been so crucial to his recovery. Now, Murphy is the co-founder and uh, executive vice president of business development at WeConnect Health Management, a Seattle-based healthcare technology company that is decreasing cost for addiction recovery across the United States by reducing relapse from, um, from substance abuse disorder and alcoholism. So I hope that you will catch on to what we're about here at Rock Bottom, which is offering our services, being of help, telling our story. And rather than remembering Murphy as a, a tennis champion, which he is, which he was, do think of him as a person committed to bring awareness to addiction and leave behind the legacy, legacy of helping and serving others. So that is the real Murphy, who I got to know today. And um, understand that his aim, and I'm here to support him, is to reduce stigma of addiction and encourage um, and lead others with their uh, disorder to receive the proper care. So check out We Connect Health Management. Check out We Can check out We Connect um, We Connect Recovery.com at Murphy Jensen Jensen to reach out. I'd love to hear you uh, 
comment, review, share, Rock Bottom Syndicate, and uh, let us know what you think of this episode. And uh, tell us uh, who you know who has had a rock bottom moment who would like to be in my rock bottom syndicate to help others um, and help others help others and be of service. Enjoy our show. Welcome, Murphy. It's so great to have an opportunity to chat with you. Thank you, Joyce. I'm excited to hear your story, although I will confess I've heard it a few times now with Mm. um, other podcasts and some of the stuff I've read. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's nothing better for me because I'm just a curious kind of girl to hear it straight from the, uh, the Murphy's mouth. Player, Murphy's <laughs> mouth, exactly. The horse's mouth. Yeah, I didn't want to call you a horse. And then I was like, well, you're past the tennis thing now. I mean, you're still cold, yep. right? Yeah, a, a little bit. Yep. You're just Murphy now. Thank God. That, <laughs> that's something that I, I sought for a long time because I was a Jensen brother for a long, long time. And then, uh, you know, my own personal recovery story, uh, that's what I discovered when I crash landed in Los Angeles is uh, who I was, who walks with me, and why I'm here uh, on this thing called, uh, in this thing called life. So. I think I wrote down when I was one of the things you sent me. It said, um, "Only when Murphy Jensen hit rock bottom did he find out what he needed." And I was like, "Oh, how appropriate for Rock Bottom Syndicate!" Yeah, right. That's a line. Uh, the tennis world, I think, coined that that line. And the truth was, when when my knees hit the floor and my scorecard read zero, it wasn't when my life ended. It was when my life began. And uh, going back to what I just said, what began was the three things that I I keep in front of mind, which is um, who I am, really. I hear that a little bit uh, in in the world today. Who are we, really? Why we're here and who walks with me? You know, Um, so, you know, that's uh, both in the physical and the spiritual realm for me. So, uh, and that has seemed to, you know, give me a life that I almost don't recognize. You know, I live a life today I didn't even know was available, not only to me, to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, in spite of myself, I walk this earth a free person, Joyce. Um, and uh, I, I, I love the Rock Bottom Syndicate. And, and someone was, I was talking to, uh, actually my brother just got back from Australia and he's sitting in the airport um, in Los Angeles, connecting back to New York. And he said, what a great name for a syndicate. What a great title. And, oh, that's uh, cool. You know, where it happened is I was, I was in Boston at a restaurant called Blue Dragon, and I went to meet Dave Meltzer for the first mm-hmm. time. And my, I, it just so happened it was, it, it's something I never would have done. But I got uh, to meet my son. My son worked right across the street. So I got two of my sons to meet me for dinner. So after Dave was done his thing, I was kind of feeling sorry for myself because my finances were not where I needed them to be and just really looking for direction. And I felt stressed and worried. And I was feeling at rock bottom. And I, was, I just looked at my sons and I, all of a sudden a big smile came over me, this sense of peace. And I was like, rock bottom, baby. And my son was like, that's not cool enough. You need another, like, so he came up with the syndicate part. <laughs> yeah, the syndicate's great. It's relevant. So you're in it now. <laughs> what does the meaning, uh, what is the meaning of syndicate? 
I think it's just an organization, just a yeah. group. Yeah, yeah, I think. And I so to me, it's like, you know, it looked kind of organized or formal, you know, yeah. and I, so I'm like, who would I want in my rock bottom syndicate? Those people who like know what I feel like and, and, yeah. and have been through it, inspire me, and they have the tools like you're, the things that you're going to talk about today. Well, I, I am. I, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. And you know, the uh, symbol I picked for it was infinity symbol. Yeah, yeah, infinity and beyond. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> so cool. We both been melted, and now we are. Um, as a result of that, we uh, get a chance to spend some time today. And let me know how I can serve you today. And and that's my only goal is that I can serve you, your audience. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that well, you, you chose me to be part of your syndicate. Well, thank you so much. Um, I would love you to share your story. What happened to you? Um, you know, wherever you're comfortable starting, I don't, I, I have sure. read and listened, but wherever you're comfortable today telling it. You know, it's it's changed over the years. It's like reading a book that you loved years ago, and then you read it again, and you see things you missed, yeah. or or it has a different effect on me. And the reason I've realized that uh, our stories change is is a result as when I read those books that used to used to have a different impact on me. It has a different impact on me today because. I'm different today. That's I'm right. in a different place today. I, uh, I've changed. I used to say the book has changed. This book has changed. And the story, has, but I, the, I would go to, I, I grew up on a Christmas tree farm in northern Michigan. I was raised by, uh, uh, in a sports, uh, very athletic house. <laughs> um, dad played professional football for the New York Giants at a time when they didn't have helmets. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, hits to the head with no protection, you know, and, and, and enter me into the world. I am baby number two. I have a big brother. Um, dad built a tennis court in our backyard. He thought it'd be great for our footwork for football. Um, I, th it never was a thought that we'd become professional tennis players. Literally we built this court so it would enhance our skills on the football field. Um, Cut to, we started competing at a very young age as a family. Um, and I would go, I'd like to also share that I grew up in an alcoholic house. Mm -hmm. My dad uh, suffered from substance use disorder, but he got help by the age of eight. Mm -hmm. um, but that that experience and growing up in that house prior to his um, his own recovery, and he stayed recovered till the day he died. And as a result of that, it changed the trajectory of our lives forever as a family. Mm -hmm. uh, all the dreams that uh, mom and dad had for us kids uh, got to come true as a result of him, him getting well and him getting help. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think any of it happens, you know, without uh, dad being in the game and mom being in the game and, um, and and them having tools to help raise us kids into uh, useful human beings. And um, mom taught uh, our family about service and compassion and uh, treating people and treating people well and behaving properly. 
and you add success on the tennis court or in professional sports to that mix, um, you've got a pretty powerful cocktail, you mm-hmm. know. Um, my brother and I uh, being, uh, you know, both, t- both parents were uh, school teachers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tennis, golf is, is usually sports for the affluent. Mm-hmm. And um, we looked at the game gave us opportunity. You know, the greatest gift in the world, in my opinion, is the gift of opportunity. For me, in my own recovery journey, it's been the awareness that there was an opportunity available to be awake to the thought that talking to Joyce today is an opportunity, is an opportunity not only to connect, Mm -hmm. but to uh, who knows what's happening right now, in my opinion. So um, cut to tennis took off by the age of eight, nine, 10, 11. I'm playing the nationals by 13. I'm traveling the world. Wow. By the time football was brought up again, the, the risk of injury, we had too much to lose through a football injury to even consider playing football anymore. And by 17, 18, we were the best in the world in junior tennis and the decision had to be made. And I think you know, I'll go back to a professional decision. At the age of 10, 11, I moved, my brother and I moved a few hours away from home to get better coaching and to have better uh, opportunities. And indoor tennis was a new thing. And and so to compete with the kids from Florida and California, um, Luke and I needed to move away from home. And that grew us up a bit and we had to make a big decision. Um, and I was only 11. Wow. By 1718, we were offered scholarships to every university in the country or turn professional. I chose to go to college, and it was at college where I, I felt um, the first um, symptoms of loneliness um, maybe didn't fit in or uh, guilt and shame for not measuring up to what I thought I should be doing. Um, with my life, I should have been, I should be um, having different results than I was having. And I was, you know, didn't, it didn't feel good to play number four and five on, a, on an amazing team at the University of Southern California mm-hmm. when I had been, you know, the, the best you know, going into that situation. The problem is I, I joined a team that everybody on that team was the best right. to, to get there. Yeah. So yeah. in the year before I got there, um, that team uh, was 33-0 and 0 and the, the best college tennis team in the history of college tennis. And so my brother and another one of his teammates turned professional. I came in with another freshman to take those spots. And you know, we had upperclassmen that were two, three years older. So, you know, I had an unrealistic expectation of myself to say I could go play one or two on a team that was so successful and that were older, you know, had more experienced kids on the team. So cut to after two years, three years of college, I turned professional. And within a short time, we, we got cooking really fast. But it was in college with those feelings of, um, not measuring up in guilt and shame that I uh, was exposed to the party life and drugs and alcohol were in my case. And 
And I realized that I needed to get out of college if I was going to ever have a chance to pursue professional tennis. And uh, getting out of college was a really good move because, um, you know, I, I suffered the first consequences as a result of my drinking and using um, while in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also realized that if I had the habit, it was an expensive habit and I couldn't afford it being yeah. a, a struggling college student. So, yeah. you know, getting out on the road and, um, you know, I was really driven and it wasn't so much to be a tennis player. I was super driven to be close to my brother. My brother was my hero in life mm-hmm. um, and my protector. And he came, kept me, always made me feel safe and protected. And I never wanted to lose him. And I thought that if we weren't together, that I would be, um, in an unsafe place. You know, I didn't, I, I wasn't comfortable in my skin being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making it and being successful was more to be with him than to be wow. successful. <laughs> and, um, and then we win the French open, uh, our first grand slam, the first time playing in Paris. And instead of being in that locker room celebrating, like people celebrate, I remember being, um, shaking my hands were shaking and looking around um wondering like almost like you know the jig was up because here in that moment I'm the best in the world and but my insides didn't measure up to that they didn't match what the outsides and and how and it was at that point my brother was like okay we're adults you're 24 I'm 26 um we don't need to share hotel rooms to save money and um, you'll live your life and I'll live mine. And we, and, and then I was, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I'm not saying that the, my life in tennis was, was, it was, it really was insanely remarkable, but I, I have to say that I was really asleep. I think I was just fending off the demons that I had to address or didn't know I had to address. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with, um, it was in 1999 with the birth of my first son, Billy, um, is when I crash landed in Los Angeles after, you know, um, having a really, um, you know, I played a U.S. Open that ended up in a blackout you know, and that which ended up in Los Angeles in a, a hotel a manager, instead of calling the police, called an interventionist. And that interventionist asked if I'd be willing to get help. And for some reason, I, I said, yes. I was so lucky to have a manager that had compassion for what was going on. Yeah, that's amazing. I was wondering, because I heard that part of your story, if, did you have any thoughts of of committing suicide, of ending your life at that point? Did you have, had you lost all hope? You know, I think those thoughts occurred, um, you know, a couple of times leading up to that. Those thoughts occurred when I missed a a quarterfinal Wimbledon match. Mm -hmm. Um, Those thoughts occurred when I started missing the things that had um, loved me to death. And then I had to, to face the consequences and the people that loved me mm. with the um, results of, you know, either not showing up for obligations or not showing up for myself or, you know, I had to explain myself and what was attached to that explanation was, you know, 
I was feeling worse and worse about myself, which made the situation. And nobody, I think, you know, I believe that uh, substance use disorder and addiction and behavioral health issues is, is a family disease. And I, I think it's a really complicated problem and it isn't a simple solution. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I, I talk to a lot of families that don't know um, what to do. They're really lost, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, treatment centers, rehabs. And you go on the Internet, Google says to do this. I, I Googled, you know, whatever the addiction or the crisis, there isn't a clear roadmap to recovery. Mm-hmm. And there isn't that much consistent messaging in how to get well. And then we, you know, in my case, I can't speak for anybody else, but in my case, I couldn't tell the truth from the false of what was going on in my head, you know, because when it comes to addiction, I find that, um, that my mind will do anything and everything to defend the right to drink and use again. It will say things like it wasn't that bad mm-hmm. or it was um, it was a, if I just, you know, stop by 11 or mix it, you know, mix it differently or, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, or it'll just, okay, I'll, whatever the excuse, you know, the, my mind played tricks on me and it wasn't until I was hurting enough and I was sick and tired of being sick and tired mm-hmm. and that I was offered the gift, a gift, which it was a gift to go to detox. It was a gift to be offered sober living for a year. And here I was, you know, um, a professional tennis player, somewhat of a tennis star, top 10 in the world heading down to Australia. But my home for a year was a sober living home in uh, Culver City, California. And I think what keeps people sick is the guilt and the shame. I think what keeps people sick is the fear of being found out Mm -hmm. uh, in and around that. And I think the the stigma of addiction and and, um, substance use disorder is something that um, must be smashed. Um, that, you know, if I had gone to the, the world of tennis or beyond and said I had bone cancer, they'd have named the stadium after me and there would have been a foundation and a fundraiser and a this and a that. And, you know, but with addiction, it, it's still viewed as a moral failing. And if Murphy could just, you know, you know, pull it together and get, you know, he, and, and, you know, just make better decisions. And I had no more idea while, while I was making the choices I was making than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I do now know why, because I was treating, I was treating that um, underlying issue, which was, you know, not measuring enough, not enough, comparing myself, my insides with the outsides of the world and how do I live up to something or, you know, didn't know, didn't have the tools to be real, to look the world in the eye and accept my responsibilities and um, post up. And so recovery for me has been a journey of rewiring the brain and rewiring my perceptors, my perception of what's going on. What I thought was the worst thing that could have happened to me turned out to be the best thing that could happen to me. And in in spite of myself, 
like I said, I walked this earth a free person. I didn't want a girlfriend in my life. I got a wife and a baby. I didn't want a dog. We got two of those. I didn't want everything I didn't want I've gotten. And it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. So it's best that I don't tell the world or the universe or anything what it's supposed to look like today. It's Monday or it's Tuesday. It's whatever day of the week it is today. And I make it the best day I possibly can. Yeah, it's it sounds um, in the wake of Kobe Bryant's um, uh, death, and they've been showing a lot of clips. And he had the, I think it was at his retirement, and he was speaking to his daughters, and he he basically said the same thing, right? It's the journey, it's not the destination, and the the journey is the destination, and it's taking you to a better place than you were looking for, you know, that you were expecting. You know, I I. I um, have gotten more out of the, I've learned more through my setbacks. I've learned more through the losses and the times I've gotten, I've grown more. Yeah, yeah. Through those times that were hardest, you know, the thoughts, the, the, and, and what recovery does for somebody like me, it takes away the permanence that life used to pretend to offer that it was going to be great forever. It's going to be garbage forever. Yeah. What I get to be is a little bit right size. I get to live where my feet are at. I get to live heartbeat to heartbeat, breath to breath with Joyce, um, grateful for this moment. And rest in peace. That man um, shared so much insight and and. I always, my message to a lot of athletes and a lot of um, former professional athletes call me and ask me how I made the transition from sports to business. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I believe that if you're not using your success to benefit others, you're really missing the boat. Mm. And I think Kobe was on his way to leveraging all the opportunities and they were going to be infinite. Mm-hmm. opportunities for him to make an impact on this planet well beyond winning basketball championships. He was going to, you know, he was on his way and, and he'll, he'll do it. And even um, in his passing, his legend will, will and legacy will live on and serve so many children. And, and um, my prayers on the highest order out to everybody that's hurting around this. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it's always reassuring to hear when you hear that greatness when somebody says something so profound and it just feels so real and authentic and then you hear another person Murphy Jensen saying the same thing and you know it just feels like this there's not a lot of things that I feel know to be true but this feels true to me you know I love this thing called life and I didn't know how to navigate um, parts of it. I didn't know, you know, and I think a lot of people are in that place. I think if you're in your twenties, that's a difficult time. You know, I hear 22 year olds thinking they have to have it all figured out, Mm. you know, and I'm, and I'm still, you know, um, I'm figuring things out less. There's less to figure out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for me, I, I live by a few values and principles that guide my, you know, 
day in and day out of activities that put me in a place um, that I, you know, didn't even know was available. Like I said, you know, um, to be, to, to, like, you know, a lot of people say, Murphy, congratulations. It takes so much courage to, to um, stop drugs and alcohol. You should be really proud of yourself. I don't even think about it today, to be honest with you. The obsession to drink and use has, has been removed as a result of daily practice, daily reps, doing the work every single day, being of service, going from a self-centered person to an other-centered person. You know, I think of others. Um, if, if I help you get where you want to go, my needs are usually taken care of. And, and it's so true. Mm-hmm. Why is philanthropy so important? Mm-hmm. Because it makes you feel better. Yeah. The person receiving the gift isn't getting as much usually as the person giving the gift. Yeah. And that what you're getting out of that is um this you know I selfishness and self-centeredness and self-seeking is really the root cause of a lot of my problems especially self-centered fear, fear of losing what I've got or fear of not getting what I want. But if I don't want anything and I go St. Francis, which is turning everything over, things just show up. And my son, who's now 20, says, you know, if I can just get out of my own way, opportunities just fall in my lap. Yeah. And my way didn't have a wife and a baby and dogs and all this stuff and business. None of that was in. I was really at that time 20 years ago you know, getting through another day without drugs and alcohol, but it took time to get to this place. Yeah. I think the the message, my mess became my message, which has empowered me to do some really cool things. And my word is good. Mm-hmm. You know, honesty is a really uh, important value I, I hold dear to me. Um, open-mindedness. If I hadn't had an open mind, I wouldn't have taken the help that was offered to me. And willingness is I had the willing to willingness to change and to take direction that wasn't coming from between my ears. It came from my heart and uh, from others, you know. So I think I shared with you when we talked another time about some of the science behind all the things you're talking about. I interviewed a fellow, Dr. Uh, Gary Epler, and he was educating me. He's an MD and he was educating me on that that when you give that that um philanthropy that sense of giving changes what part of the brain you're operating from so it gets you out of that fear center into your um pleasure mm-hmm. not addiction pleasure but but um natural pleasure mm-hmm. so that there is a good there is a good sweet spot Does it there. produce serotonin is that right it it has it has to do with the balance between when the, because all the different parts of the brain talk to each other and they get out of whack so you get overstimulated in your amygdala or overstimulated in your um, cingulate and it keeps you out of the prefrontal where you're able to solve problems and deal mm-hmm. with things and so all these things that you've come upon are are methods for for helping you to create more balance in the right neurochemistry. Yeah, so I I didn't know there was science behind it, but I do know um, that the tools I use are the things that, like you said, have rewired my my mind. 
Yeah. And I love that term, the rewiring. And we were talking too about the decision-making. Um, I think what's the decision-making apparatus. I, I don't know why they separate the brain and, um, and mental illness from the rest of the body because it's it's still subject to everything else the rest of the body is and so yeah, because our mind affects our emotions which emo- affects us physically yeah so the decision making apparatus is not working properly what can we do to fix it yeah getting getting tools that would um, allow me to have a different perception or perspective on things and mm-hmm. you know not that it solves everything but it takes time you know, for me, a real good tool is just to slow down, yeah. slow down, slow down. I mean, I, a deep breath was, you know, yeah, yeah. Now, now I can take a deep breath. I can create space between cause and effect. Effect. Um, I can create space between my uh, response and reaction to life and the things that I, I see and face on a daily basis. So I don't always do it perfect. And I, and I, and I think the greatest gift I've been giving is just an army of support. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I, and I have a safe place like here on the syndicate, rock bottom syndicate, a safe place to be vulnerable, a safe place to be honest and open-minded and willing. And I've safe. That's a big deal Yeah. from someone who, who uh, was quite frightened. And because when I get to that frightened place, I'm not six, five bald, 220 pound Murphy. I'm an eight year old. Yep. Seven-year-old that um, wet in his pants. Who knows? You know, it's um, it's it's real stuff. And I don't know. It's that's one of the things I ask people to do when I'm working with them. It is somehow connect with that younger self that's still in there. Because in rewiring the brain or redesigning, we we've got to we've got to think about what we do want to happen and rehearse it, but go back and let that person know, Hey, I got this, you know, you're too short to drive. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but don't worry. I got you. I'll put your seatbelt on. You're good. She's still in there. Right. My 66, but my, I go back to four or five. I go back to that age and I look at those, funny pictures of myself with um, the crazy hairdos. Yeah. 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 And I have a talk. And that, and that, that's super important. I mean, just recently, a couple of weeks ago, a dear friend, you know, gave me the tool of saying, I love you to that, that person saying, I love you to the, the fully grown adult 51 year old Murphy, you know, yeah, yeah. it's okay. You know, take a moment to say you love yourself, you know, and then well, I think I may, may have mentioned um, Kamal Ravikant's book, uh, love yourself, like your life yeah. depends on it. And yeah, you so, sent yeah. me the audio book. Oh yeah, that's her too. So yeah, and I've been practicing it, and then I I practice it with my um my granddaughter. She's I th- three uh, three month old twin granddaughters, mm-hmm. and I pretend she's me, like I'm talking to me, and um, and it it gets in there. And then the other thing that you said that's so important is the heartbeat to heartbeat, moment to moment. Cause you got to keep doing it. You can't just do it and think it's like brush your teeth and I'm good for the next 10 years, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's re um, it's re upping not only my commitment, but my practice, you know, I, I need to 
You know, I can't live on yesterday's realization or yesterday's work. And I, you know, it, and I think that's what continues to allow me to grow. It allows um, the world to, that, that I live in grow and it allows me the, the, the um, space to be able to handle the, the bogeys that get thrown at me, you know, or the rocks or the this or the that. And my head can still be um, a dangerous playground, um, <laughs> you know, but I, I practice meditation. I practice prayer. I, you know, that's how I start my day. And, um, you know, I get shot out of a cannon and then, you know, a, a really great tool for me is resetting. You know, if I find myself in the weeds or, you know, I, I can just practice that awareness of what, how am I breathing right now? You know, mm -hmm. can, you know, my, my co-founder at We Connect Health Management and I, you know, we practice a lot of the same stuff and, she and I, we, we have a really incredible um, company because we practice mind, body, spirit activities. We practice um, a guilt-free guilt and shame-free culture and environment and um, in a service-oriented environment where, you know, I, I really cherish my coworkers. I really cherish the team that I get to work with. I was a tennis player. It's an individual sport. Yeah. You're out there by yourself. I get to work with some amazingly brilliant people, data scientists and software engineers and developers and, and uh, uh, interior designer, interior, uh, our design team. Um, and, constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly being of service. And sometimes, you know, we all play a different role, but that time out, the, the, that tool of time, time out or reset, you know, just to reset my day, mm -hmm. um, take a pause, it makes such a difference. And, you know, I think the, the loss of anybody in our lives and something like the loss of Kobe Bryant and the helicopter accident with the, the nine people, um, you know, makes me remember the, how fragile our lives are. And it's every day, it's every day there, there's something going on and, and to be extra mindful and extra aware. And it's not to be in fear, but just to be extra awake and extra appreciative and mm -hmm. extra giving and extra loving and extra serving um, all day, every day. I live this day like it's my last. I'm going to kiss that little baby on the mouth and tell him I love him. He's two years old. And then right. call my 20-year-old and tell him how much I love him and how much I'm proud of him. And I didn't even know what proud was mm -hmm. um, until, you know, I, and my dad would always say, I'm proud, so proud of you. Or people would say, your father is so proud of you. And I know my dad is proud of me looking down on me. And when he passed, you know, I was able to be of service to him while he um, went through prostate cancer and bone cancer. And he, you know, I moved everything to be with him. And, to, you know, I was given um, strength that I didn't even know I had to, to help him through that. And, and then to kiss him goodnight. Um, for the last time and something happened to me where I was shot out of a cannon. He sits in this room on the rock bottom syndicate right now. And there's a, there's a light beaming over 
you know, the work you do, because there's thousands of uh, Howard O's was his name. There's thousands and millions of Howard O's that have been those types of people that um, support what you're doing and um, what I'm doing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Murphy, can you tell me a little bit about We Connect? I want to make sure we um, get to to share that uh, mm-hmm. beautiful mission that you're on now, helping so many people. Well, We Connect Health Management is a healthcare technology um, platform that prevents relapse from drug and alcohol addiction and people suffering from substance use disorder. Mm-hmm. And, and realistic, the, the idea was founded uh, from my co-founder um, while she was in an inpatient uh, pro, uh, facility. And the, the clinician said there's an 85% chance you'll relapse within the first 30, 60, 90 days of being here. 85%. And, and so she just started journaling about it. And We Connect Health Management leverages technology mm-hmm. to support our recovery. <laughs> it leverages technology. Similar, we use these phones for everything. We use them to get food. We use them to get tires. We use them to buy everything, household items, personal care items, directions, anything and everything we are now using it for. Why wouldn't we use it to support our recovery from anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been such a rewarding journey um, to be able to see and get the, 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 the outcomes, you know, to get upwards to 80% outcomes and um, engagement, mm-hmm. to watch these engagement numbers. The more I'm engaged in my recovery plan and my treatment plan, which was essentially what we did is we digitized the piece of paper that's being handed to um, a Murphy Jensen when he leaves a rehab or a hospital system. Mm -hmm. Um, We we digitized that care plan, and the more engagement I have, the better outcomes that I'm going to have, which lowers the cost of addiction health care. it's literally been the most rewarding work of my life because it's a, it's something personal mm-hmm. B it's something um, that not only personal, but it's something that every day I, when people ask me what kind of job should I look for, find something that's challenging, mm-hmm. you know, find something that you're going to be forced to really dig, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's where the, the, I go back to process, you know, building this company. We started with three, three folks in a picnic blanket um, here in Seattle, (laughs) Washington. And my co-founder brought me a piece of fish um, when we first met at the uh, Seattle farmer's market. And I thought that was strange. I didn't even live here. So I moved my whole family and and I knew there was a window of opportunity to do something beyond the game of tennis. And when my dad passed, um, my wife and I agreed that we were going to go pursue that. We had no, I had no experience in the tech space. Wow. I had no experience in finance and funding. I had no experience in any of the areas in, uh, in healthcare. Um, yet we sit. And, and so when I'm here to say, I am living proof that if you're feeling hopeless, that you can see no solution in sight, that's something that you can't even imagine is waiting for you if you're willing to take and accept the, the, the gifts that are sometimes it could be as simple as, hey, 
you know, the, the company, my mother-in-law says to me, Murphy, would you be willing to help a, a family friend and take them to a support group meeting? Mm-hmm. It's Thanksgiving time. It's Thanksgiving day. And I could say, Margaret, you know, I'm going to eat some turkey and get, get after this pumpkin pie. But instead I said yes. As a result of saying yes to my mother-in-law's request, that gentleman said, I, my, a friend of mine in my outpatient program um, works for Microsoft and some other companies, and she did some, she, you should meet her. She has some really good ideas. And that's my co-founder and CEO. Oh, wow. You know, and, and so, and then it went back to, she shares with me on a whiteboard the ideas about We Connect Health Management. And now we're 40, 50 employees strong, and we're serving hundreds of thousands of people. And the opportunity to serve millions and millions of people, fortunately and unfortunately, the, the opportunity is so ripe. And I think there's a window of opportunity to make any great change. Had I not taken, if I had not said yes to Margaret, I might not be sitting here today. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about healthcare technology, talking about recovery, talking to you. You know, we both know that there are little things. And, and once going back to the beginning of our conversation, I wasn't in a, in a hopeless situation. It, the real big transition has been, you know, through, through my recovery, um, you know, life doesn't have the leverage it used to have on me, you know, that. You know, I go out this door or you go out your door, you know, you just don't know where that opportunity and that miracle and that game-changing moment is waiting for you around that next corner. Mm-hmm. And it could be someone drops something and you pick it up. And that could be someone that could have a tremendous impact on the next 10, 20 years of your life. And, you know, my dream is to get We Connect Health Management in the hands of anybody who wants it or, you know, recovery isn't doesn't work for people that necessarily need it. It's for the people that want it. And for those that want it, they should have be equipped with the best tools and solutions available. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost of addiction from a financial and a human capital, you know, this, this problem is the number one healthcare crisis in the country. It's on the news every single day in every national state and community newspaper that someone has lost a loved one to an accidental overdose. You know, today, 300 people will lose their life to accidental overdose. That's the equivalent of, of equivalent of a plane crashing every single day. And alongside those lines, there's behavioral health and suicide. And um, the numbers are staggering. And then from a financial cost, since from 2016 to 2018, that problem has uh, gone up 200% from a $442 billion billion with a B billion dollar problem to an $800 billion problem. Um, so if, if we are not taking a look at um, and taking a chance, I would eat a piece of paper. I'd eat the, the book you write one day, Joyce, <laughs> to get the life I have today. Yeah. And if my, if I was asked to walk to Traverse City, Michigan today to support my recovery and to have anything like the life I have today, I would put on the most comfortable pair of shoes I've got and start <laughs> hoofing it. Because 
I have a point of reference of what it was like. And what I hope I've shared with you, what happened. When I started, I couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. That is the genesis of where my substance use disorder took me. I couldn't predict the outcome. And, um, and then what happened and what it's like now and what it's like now is like, man, but I don't live in fear of losing it. I, I stay focused on what's the next right indicated step. What's the next step I can do and, and be more loving, be more giving, be more generous, be more honest, be more all of it, you know? Um, and that, and getting out of expectations and getting out of the, um, the results business, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I don't, we talked about this the first time we spoke, I sought happiness forever. It was, maybe it was a trending word in the eighties or something that we heard from the sixties because I was born in 68, but this, this seeking this happiness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and enlightenment is really being where I'm at mm-hmm. and being grateful for what I've got. Yeah. You know, if I'm always, if something is always over here, I'm never going to be in that pocket of receiving. And I finally found that pocket through service. Um, and luckily I was, had a pretty good serve as a tennis player. <laughs> um, no, you know, my prayer is for anybody struggling with anything. Mm-hmm. You know, recovery isn't isolated to drugs and alcohol. Or, or it could be food, it could be gambling, it could be sex, it could be depression, low-grade depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie to you and say to you that, you know, every day I wake up with 60 rainbows at my front door and a bald <laughs> eagle's, you know, sitting on my forehead. No, <laughs> I, I, it's, but I, I see glimpses of that. Yeah. And I also see glimpses of, 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 of a head that can take me to a, a really dark place, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that dark place um, doesn't serve me or anybody around me. But luckily, you know, you know, I think we have to be open. I think we have to be a, a, a world that creates a space where it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, Joyce, a week ago, I was hurting. I was in the weeds. I wasn't feeling good. I was in tears. I called some friends. I got together with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't like my behavior, Joyce. You know, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah, I think one of the lines I heard someone say, and I've repeated in um, in the introduction with that I do with this show that our secrets are the prisoner of our prison of our emotions. And so like you, I carried a, a shame and embarrassment around with me for no particular reason, just the stories I told myself growing up also in an alcoholic home. And I realized when I was finally able to get rid of my secrets um, that I, that I um, was able to feel. Yeah. Well, they say in, in the world of recovery that I'm only as sick as my secrets. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, and that's what you're saying, and 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 I believe that to be true. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, that's what I'm hoping to happen here. Um, and also, you know, seeing with WeConnect um, and your, your uh, whole system of connecting from post-treatment uh, to yep. what happens in the real world and making that interactive. It's all about continuum of care. Yeah. And what the statistics I, I, I care about the most about is getting um, a guy like me to day 365 because that relapse rate drops 60-70% to people that get to day 365. Yeah. And so that continuum of care from day 28 to day 365 is a life changer. Yeah. yeah. You want a life beyond your wildest dreams? It's available. Yeah. And it's available to everybody. And the thing that gets forgotten is that this is a treatable disease. Mm -hmm. This isn't stage 25, whatever cancer. This is, mm -hmm. this is doable. Mm -hmm. This is doable with the willingness and, and, and never, ever, ever, ever lose hope. Mm -hmm. You know, never lose hope. Never, never, never. You know, and that's what recovery has given me is hope. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you found it and grateful to that manager who offered you assistance instead of punishment. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and we build that into, um, you know, our platform. You know, we reward people for staying compliant and on track. It's not punitive. It's not punishing. It's empowering. It's all the things you and I just talked about for an hour. Um, the best is yet to come, and uh, I'm the eternal optimist as well. <laughs> but I wasn't always that way. And if you look at pictures from the 90s, some are like, you looked a little tired there. It looked a little dark. My, you know, and, and think, I am so grateful and, and fired up um, from doing the re, uh, Rock Bottom Syndicate today because, like, you, you know, this, this energy that we just shared and everyone that will get it shared with, um, has really, uh, you know, fired me up and oh, good. get after this day. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel too, because it's an, again, it's one of those, uh, medicines that we take. It's called human connection to people looking eye to eye, caring about each other genuinely. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's just medicine. And it puts you into that nice, happy, healthy part of your brain. So you can, you can see it coming now too when I'm sitting there and I start to ruminate about something my son said or you know, I start to invent stuff in my head. I'm like, it's, now it's a red flag. It's like, you're making it up, Joyce. Get out of that room <laughs> you know, totally. in, the, in the head. Yeah, so it's totally. wonderful to know that I have that control and power. And I thought you, know, you can get stuck there and it just is a vicious cycle. So when, once you learn, you you're driving this bus, you can control it, then it's a whole new world. Well, I think for me, the illusion that I had any control <laughs> is the, the, was the essence of my problem. I could control that tennis ball, but you can't control, you know, there are certain things on my side that I can, um, can do the work and take care of. And, and I, but you know, there, there are stuff that's out of our control. But our thoughts are not out of our control. We can, yeah. we can control those. So th we can't control outside of us. Yeah. That's why you saying, I take responsibility is such an important part, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, like extreme three, ownership. Three words. I am responsible. Yeah. I am enough. I am worthy. I am, I am all right, all right. <laughs> all well, right, well. 
I, I want to uh, honor your time. You've been super generous. How do people reach you? I want to make sure people can reach out to you. Well, you know, I'm in all the social media channels as Murphy Jensen at LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, more importantly, uh, if you or someone you know um, or you want to learn more about WeConnect Health Management, go to WeConnectRecovery.com. Okay. WeConnectRecovery.com. Um, if you're a, a provider, a hospital system, an insurance company, a health plan, um, we connect health management, um, can help you. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. So people will see that when they go Perfect. to the show notes. Perfect Joyce. Well, I'm wishing you a blessed, successful day, week, month. Thank you. Let's make this the, the rest of January the best. Let's do that. And, uh, not stop there for sure. I'm so grateful to spend time with you and, um, mm -hmm. just enjoy your company. Yeah. You're amazing, Joyce. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks.